Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. Today, we'll be joined by the NFL's third all-time leading rusher, trailing only Emmett Smith and Walter Payton, the man who's run for exactly 16,000 yards over 16 NFL seasons for five teams. Frank Gore, the man himself, one of my favorite guests, love Frank. And we'll also be joined by ESPN statistician, analyst, analytics guru, Evan Kaplan, as we break down each of the six wild card matchups this weekend, some really intriguing storylines that we'll go over. But the big news story of the week comes from Cleveland, and it is the latest cases of COVID an outbreak that has struck that organization, which is incredible on so many levels, right? The Cleveland Browns finally make the playoffs for the first time since 2002. They have not won a playoff game since 1994 when their head coach was Bill Belichick, and they beat the New England Patriots in a wild card game in 1994. And now Cleveland is going back to the playoffs for the first time in almost two decades And they're now going to do it without their head coach, without their defensive backs coach, Jeff Howard, without their tight ends coach, Drew Petzing, without two players, Joel Batonio, their Pro Bowl guard, and their wide receiver, Cotterell Hodge. Amazing. And that is, by the way, right now, who knows who else is going to be placed on the reserve COVID list on a team that has struggled to contain this virus for the last few weeks on a team that lost all its wide receivers before it played the New York Jets in a game it lost when it was trying to clinch a playoff spot. The Cleveland Browns, a team that everybody, most everybody, is happy to see back in the postseason, is now battling one of the biggest COVID challenges of the NFL season. Now, my understanding is this game is going to be played on Sunday night, barring Any more positive tests. And that is the key phrase right there, barring any more positive tests. The NFL, the NFL Players Association, they'll be closely monitoring and testing the Browns the rest of the week, as they would have anyway. But now that team, that organization will be under more intense scrutiny as the special teams coordinator, Mike Prefer, takes over as the head coach for the Cleveland Browns in their playoff game. So they finally get back to the playoffs and the head coach can't coach. And the tight ends coach can't coach. And the defensive backs coach can't coach. And Joel Batonio, the longest tenured member of the Browns, a man who deserves this as much as anybody in that organization, can play. The Cleveland Browns, unbelievable. The season of COVID just doesn't quit. And it won't quit, by the way. It will not quit until the season is over. You don't know what unexpected circumstances are going to arise in any given week. This is the latest example. And it also comes on the heels of a week in which the big stories were the firings of coaches and also the promotion, if you'll call it that, of John Elway. Now, here's a story that brings together actually both instances of firings and John Elway. And I take you back to September 22nd, 1997, after the Broncos beat the Bengals. And why am I doing that? Well, at the time, I was working for the Denver Post. And the Friday before the Broncos played the Bengals, I happened to see John Elway outside the Broncos locker room. And John always was very curious about how the newspaper industry worked. And I think that goes back 
I just think this in my mind to him sitting at his breakfast table with his dad, Jack Elway, who was a great man, one of my favorites, a guy that I always felt, a guy that I always felt was like my grandfather. He just had wisdom and knowledge and was generous with his time. And I love John's dad, Jack. He was a great man. But I could see them sitting at the breakfast table, reading the newspaper back in the day. And I think that that instilled in John an interest and curiosity in how newspapers work. So that Friday afternoon in September of 1997, John Elway came to me and he said, now let me get this straight. You don't write the headlines, but you write the newspaper stories? I said, that's right, John. I never write the headlines, but whatever's in the story is mine. I wrote it. And he said, okay. And he was just curious about that. And it was very odd how that happened that Friday. And then on Sunday, they played at Bengals. And on Monday morning, I pick up the Denver Post. And I always would look at how they laid out our stories and laid out the information that we filed the night before. And there would be a notebook after every Broncos game where all the reporters working that day would file all the things that didn't make it into their stories. And the Denver Post editors would call them all together and form a notebook. And usually, as the lead beat writer, I sent in more notes than anybody, but everybody contributed. But there was a note in the Monday Denver Post on September 22nd, 1997, that I didn't recognize. And it read, and I'll read you this exactly, in the locker room following the game, Elway displayed a discreet gold ring that adorned his left nipple. The ring remained hidden until his towel slipped momentarily to the side. Elway's comment, quote, that's not anybody's business, but if you have to know, it was a gift from my wife, close quote. And I said, where did that come from? John Elway got a nipple ring? What? Where did this come from? Well, I went to the Broncos complex that day and was waiting in the player's parking lot about 7.30 in the morning. John Elway walks in. I start walking to him. He's walking to me. I go, where did you get that nipple ring? And he bursts out, why did you report that? That's not true. Where did you get that? And I said, I didn't write it. And he said, but it has your name on it. And you told me Friday that if it has your name on it, you write everything. I'm like, I didn't write it. Well, they launched an investigation The Denver posted. And a year earlier, I guess, I had left the Rocky Mountain News. And I think there were people at that point in time at the Rocky who weren't happy that I left. And I think somebody with the help of a friend at the Denver Post conspired to file a story to the Denver Post newspaper desk with a note that said, add to Adam's notebook. And that's what happened. Somebody added this in. It became an investigation. It became a story in the Columbia Journalism Review, how information filed to a newspaper that wasn't real wound up in the newspaper. So there was fake news before there was fake news back in 1997. And so that John Elway story takes me to the events of this past Monday when I was sitting at my kitchen table with my wife and I get a text at 2.03 p.m. from Cameron Wolf, who covers the Dolphins for ESPN.com. And he said to me, saw a story up citing you that the Dolphins are moving on from Chan Gailey. Is that accurate? And I got this text and I said, what? And I texted him back. I said, I haven't reported anything on Chan Gailey. Where did you see that? Question mark, question mark. And with that, Cameron Wolf sends me a link to an ESPN.com story 
with the headline, Dolphins, Heartways with O.C. Changeli, Sources. I clicked on the link to the story, and basically it said Changeli has been fired, according to ESPN reporter Adam Schefter. And the first thing that went through my mind was John Elway did not get a nipple ring, and Chan Gailey did not get fired. And all of a sudden, my phone is ringing, and it's people in the Dolphins organization calling and demanding to know why I reported that Chan Gailey got fired. I never reported that Chan Gailey got fired. Never did that. ESPN subsequently posted a statement that I will read. It says ESPN published an incorrect story on Monday involving Dolphins offensive coordinator Chan Gailey. The story has been removed from ESPN.com and replaced with this correction. The story also was mentioned on the 1 p.m. edition of SportsCenter. No ESPN reporters reported on Gailey or the Dolphins or were involved in the error, which was made internally. It was on ESPN.com for about 20 minutes. It also ran on the bottom line. ESPN regrets the error. Well, what happened was somebody saw a fake imposter Adam Schefter tweet that Chan Gailey gotten fired from a Twitter handle with the name something like Tua, the Dolphins quarterback, and basically wrote up a story and posted it on ESPN.com. And I think it just goes to show that there are so many people in a rush to get information out. And it goes to show you the perils of the job. But Chan Gailey was not fired. John Elway did not get a nipple ring. And then later in the day, John Elway, the Broncos revealed, was moving up in the front office on the day Chan Gailey was fired, which brought me back to the John Elway nipple ring, which tied together all the news of the day in my own mind. Anyway, that was my thought. All right, before we get into today's episode, first I want to tell you that the NBA season is underway, and if you want to stay up to date on all things professional basketball, download and subscribe to the Low Post with Zach Lowe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and you get my podcast there as well. And now for our podcast, a man that has gone to the Pro Bowl five times, a man that was named to the Pro Football Hall of Fame's All-2010s Decade Team. A man who has played for 16 seasons for the 49ers, the Colts, the Dolphins, the Bills, the Jets. A man who's 37 years old, but defies father time all the time. The NFL's third leading rusher behind Emmitt Smith and Walter Payton, the great Frank Gore. Frank. What's up, baby? Hello, Frank. How's my friend doing? I'm great, man. Bless, man. I'm good. Thank you for the time. Happy New Year to you and your family. How you feeling? I feel good, you know. Um, I had a little injury, but I'm fine, though. I'm, I'm looking at it like 16 seasons, Frank. It feels like you know. you've been playing. I'm 54 years old, and I feel like you've been playing since I've been in high school. Like, that's crazy for a running back to go 16 seasons, 37 years old. How do you do that? Uh, you know, I hard work, man. And you know, like I say, God, man. And, you know, love of the game. You know, and, um, when I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all in. You know, I'm going to train my behind off. I'm going to make sure I'm ready. When I feel like I can't do it, I won't do it. You understand, know Adam? Yeah. Well, do you, do you feel like you can keep doing it? You know, I still I still feel like, you know, I can play this game. I, you know, I show when I got opportunities that, you know, I can't play. It just, you know, um, it's just now it's, uh, it's all on me if I want to, you know. What, what, what drives you to keep going, Frank? Like, what is it about this sport that's so brutal and so hard, and especially in a year like this with COVID, 
What drives you to keep going? You love it. Well, you, you know, I've been playing this game since I was four years old. You know, I've been God bless me with the talent to do it. So I, I love it, man. And I still have fun with the young kids. They keep me going. You know, um, I got a chance the last two years to be around some top guys at my position. Um, the Shady McCoy and Le'Veon Bell to be around them every day. You know, to compete against some guys. You know, it's, it's a lot. You got the competition. You know, the guys in the locker room that do what a lot of, lot of, lot of guys can do at my age. You know, um, you know, play the game of football. Like a lot of that type of stuff, you know? You know, you know what's amazing to me is when you were coming out of college at Miami, you went in there as a very highly recruited player. You suffered mm-hmm. multiple knee injuries. And Miami yep. produced some great running backs from that time, like Edron James, who's in the Hall of Fame, and Clinton Portis. And you were the guy, due to your injuries only, that was almost an afterthought. And yet you've gone here for exactly 16,000 career rushing yards, your third in NFL history behind Emmett Smith and Walter Payton. That longevity and productivity is unbelievable, Frank. It's a model for all these guys. And I would think that they get to learn a ton around you. You've even got a son, a son. This is unbelievable to me. <laughs> Frank Gore Jr., who just finished his freshman season at Southern Miss, rushing for 708 yards and two touchdowns. What's that like for you playing to know you have a son who's in college starting to do some of the things that you did in college? That's a, that's a blessing. You know, especially like what I like about it, offseason, he get the, I get the chance to show him what it takes. But he's saying me uh Going to my 16 year training my behind off, doing tour days to get ready, get ready to compete against the young guys. You know, he, he should take that in. Like, I don't have to talk too much. I just have to show him. And that's, that's a blessing, man. And I, man, he, my son had a great year. You know, I can't wait to get home to, to get him started training. Um, this time before he go back to school, then get him in that summertime to get him to go to another level, um, for a second year, you know. When you look back at the 16,000 career rushing yards in third in NFL history, like we said, what does that mean to you, Frank? It means a lot. Because you, like you said before, you was like what I had to deal with coming out of you know, um, college, you know, having two, two ACLs, two shoulders. Even in my NFL career, um, almost doing the, the Bo Jackson with my hip. Um, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for me. You know, uh, getting drafted third round. A lot of people, when I got drafted, said I won't be playing for two or three years. And I and I and I proved them got people wrong, you know. And I, and I and for me, you know, I get a chance to show other young guys, you know, not just in football or anything, that you know, you don't gotta listen to what people say, what you you can't do, you know. As long as you believe in yourself and work hard at it, you can do whatever you want to do. And even right now today, when I got my opportunities to play, you know, get my opportunities, get my carries, I show I show guys on the other teams. I still can play. Even coaches, they came to me after the game. Can't believe it. Like, how can I still do it? You know, so I've been blessed. So I don't matter. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of my career. I don't know if I'm going to play next year, but, you know, I still know I can. So I'm going to give myself some time. You know, um, when I go back home with my family and, you know, take a vacation with my girl. And then, you know, you know, I'll talk to my son and see what's up. And, you know, if a team want me, if I want to play, I will. If I don't feel like I want to play, I walk away from the game. But one thing I did, you watch the tape. You know, um, say so you know a lot of people didn't really watch our game, but you watch the tape, you see that I still got got some left on the tank. But you're not closing the door on coming back for 17th NFL season right now, correct? Right, I'm not. You know, I'm gonna give myself some time when I go home, relax, 
you know, I'm still going to work out, but I'm going to do that and just as a normal person. Um, well, I'm, I'm thinking about, I, really, I'm thinking about going home training with my, training my son, man, getting him ready for spring practice and then, you know, around, you know, March, whenever the agency is, and, you know, me and my agent, Drew, you know, we sit down and talk. Cause I told my niece, I want to have, I want to sit down, you know, have time to make my decision and I go from there. Well, what do you think it would take to bring you back for that 17th season that you sound open to doing, depending on how it plays out? What would it take to get you back, Frank? Um, you know, I'm going to be real. Like, I had a, even though, like, we, we didn't win here, man, I had a great time here with the, with the, the young, the young, young team, this young guys here. Um, great people in this organization, you know, Joe as a GM, you know, young GM. You know, when you see like like the core guys, you know he like the young guys he brought in as a rookie. You know you can see like what type what what he's trying to do. And um, you know I I won't say I won't close out here if they want me back here. You know, but you know, I do want to win. You know, um, a team. You know, I feel like I also got a chance. I feel like got a chance to make a run. And I definitely want to definitely resign there. But um, right now I'm just gonna go home, relax, go train my son, get away for spring practice. You know, and but he could take another step from this year. I'm going to keep my eyes open for you for the right opportunity. It sounds like if we could find really? one with a winning with yeah. a winning team, a chance to win a Super Bowl, something like that. That that has so you got you got you got to take my you got to get my number for Drew, man. Or you could text me, hey Frank, I'm going to put a call this team for you. You know, you'd be my second agent. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I I love to be a second agent. It'd be my pleasure, Frank. I'll be happy. To, and I'm gonna I am going to be thinking about that during the all season. We gotta walk, we're gonna watch the playoff games. We'll be like, I'm gonna be testing you doing during these playoff weeks. I'm like, oh, I think this team might can go. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think I think Buffalo got a great chance out of You know what's funny you, know what you said that? You know what you know, you know what's funny you say about that Buffalo? I just recorded a segment on the back end of you with our great researcher and statistician Evan Cat, and I told him my pre postseason Super Bowl pick is the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, they got and me being there. Me being there, being around like close to Dermon, um, Dean, hey, he know what he's doing, man. He he know what type of guys you want in that building. You, you gotta be a tough, you gotta be tough, you gotta be like like a family. And and I think, man, like I think they could, I think they got a chance to make it run, man. I, I really think that they can get Kansas City a, a, a go for their money, for their offense closer, their defense good enough to, to stop them, you know, and and they they rarely make make mistakes, man. So I won't be surprised Buffalo upset the Chiefs, bro. You know, let me tell you, you just echoed the comments that I made already. So I want all the listeners tuning in right now. I don't want them to think that I'm plagiarizing you, Frank. Okay, I didn't steal your thoughts. I right, right. said exactly that. Basically, I that's exactly what I think. What would it be like having played in Buffalo like you have? What would it be like for that city to win a Super Bowl? Oh, it's gonna be crazy. Got the fans, man. Oh my God. I would if they if the fans was there and they and, and, and now they the the two seed, man, it would have been so hard to come in and play Buffalo at home. Um, but you know, they they gonna they gonna be fine, man, because McDermott, man, he know what he's doing. They style they coaching style with Dayball. ball. For me being our last he took another step, man, and he got Josh playing like top quarterback in this league. Like I see they got him up for the MVP. I won't be be surprised. He sneak in sneak it away from Aaron Rodgers or um Pat Mahomes, man. Now, what about the quarterback in New York? I want to ask you this because there's going to be a lot of speculation this season in New York. I expect the Jets to make a big trade at some point this offseason. They're either going to trade Sam Darnold or they're going to trade the number two pick to a team that's going to draft a quarterback and the Jets then will ride with Sam Darnold. But it'll be one way or the other. They're going to make a big deal at some point. 
What are your thoughts on Sam Darnold as a quarterback wow. having played with him? He's very talented, man. He's very talented. You know, he, he loved the game, tough. What we was going through this year, he hurt in the shoulder, still want to play. He didn't care. And I think, man, I think, you know, once they get things, you know, they find a coach, a new coach, and, you know, coaching staff to get some guys around him. Hey, man, he'll, he'll, he'll take that stuff like the other guys in the draft class. You got to look at the guys in the draft class, man, what they got around them. You know, like, like Baker, number one pick. Even, um, me, oh, Josh, they got Diz, he got, he got Smoke, he got Beasley, he got Knots, he got ball players, you know what I'm saying? I think once Joe, if Joe, Joe do keep sound, he's very talented, put the right guys around him, he'll do the same thing. You know, um, cause he, he don't lack no toughness. He's very talented. He can make every throw. You know, he loves the game. So, um, you know, I think, and I think Joe, if they do keep him, you know, I think Joe, you know, do the right thing to put like the guys who he beat around him. But before I let you go, and I thank you very much for the time, we were talking about teaching your son, Frank, about being a running back, a pro, what it takes. Um, there are a lot of people I think that should look to you as a role model, somebody who has produced in this league as long as you have at the level you have. And you touched on it during this podcast, but what other advice would you have to all the young players out there who are looking to make it in football or really advice I think that applies to anybody in life trying to move ahead life? about what it takes? Yeah. G- give, give me the Frank yeah. or recipe for success. I say, man, you can't get comfortable on nothing. You know, you always want to grow. And when you want to grow, you always got to go push for it every day. You know, um, I'm 16 years old, and when I, when I went to training camp, and I couldn't get comfortable by one real camera made the team. I'm, I always thought, like, I, I sat in the back of the line looking at the guys in front of me, saying who want to beat me out. You know, so you never get comfortable. You always got to push forward to, do, to get better every day. Good advice, Frank. Good advice. We're going to push forward. We're going to see if we, there's another job out there for you during the offseason. But, Frank, really appreciate the time. Send me a text of, of your number. We'll be in touch. Look forward to it. Happy New Year to you and your family, and thank you for the time today. All right, thanks, Al. And there is Frank Gore. And you can see why he has lasted in the league as long as he has, why he has had the success that he has had. He loves it. He dedicates himself to it. He cares about it. And I think that's a lot of why people have success, just caring about their job and being as self-conscientious as Frank Gore is. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. And now on to our next guest. All right, it's a new year, but it's my old friend, my ESPN colleague, Evan Kaplan, here to break down 
the playoff matchups this weekend. Evan, happy new year. Thank you for your time. And let's start with the Colts Bills Saturday at 105 Eastern. What do we got? Happy new year to you too, Adam. Great to be back on another year. And, and this, this is a really intriguing matchup to start the playoff Saturday at, at one o'clock. So the Colts and Phillip Rivers, right? This could be one of his last chances. He's got the most touchdown passes, the most wins in NFL history by a player to never reach a Super Bowl. He's only five and six in his postseason career, but he's never lost in the wild card round. Perfect four and zero. On the other side, you've got the Bills, who I don't think you can say enough good things about Josh Allen and this Bills offense. So for this team specifically this year, Josh Allen had forty five combined passing and rushing touchdown. He's one of only nine players in the last 20 years to reach that mark. Aaron Rodgers also did it this year. Six of the first seven to do it won the NFL MVP. So Aaron Rodgers is going to win the MVP. I think that's a shoo-in. Josh Allen just kind of ran into another season where a guy had a better year, but he his, his numbers were MVP worthy this year. And one of the cool kind of connections to this game, at least to me, is Colts head coach Frank Reich who was the Bills' backup, who ended up being the Bills' starting quarterback in the greatest comeback in NFL history against the Oilers in the wild card round. So you're going to see that video this week. I think I think one of the great things I love about the playoffs is you always get to see that old video, right? The old the yeah. classic matchups. You're going to see that a ton this week. So those are kind of treetops for this game. Bills haven't won a playoff game since the 1995 playoffs. So it's been a while for them. Um, so a lot of good history here. I think I think most people would expect the Bills to win this game, but the Colts had a really good season, and I don't think you can discount Phillip Rivers and maybe his last chance. Let me say this. The Colts are a really good team, and this was a team that was built to win with Andrew Luck, and if Andrew Luck hadn't retired, I think the Colts would have been a perennial Super Bowl contender every year. Saying that, I don't think there's a hotter team, a more dangerous team in the NFL than the Buffalo Bills. No if I if I were making my Super Bowl pick right now, mm-hmm. I think I would pick the Buffalo Bills over the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. And that it's sounds tough. crazy, and it sounds a little, a little blasphemous. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it is crazy, Adam. I mean, this team has won six straight games. They've won them all by double digits. They are 9-1 and one in their last 10, and the only loss was the Hail Mary to the Cardinals. They haven't really lost... When you say a real game, take out the Hail Mary, they haven't lost a game where they were really beaten since October 19th. I mean, that's a long time ago. I I, I don't think there's – I think you're on the right track there. Well, So, right, if we take out the Hail Mary, they haven't lost since October 19th. I watched them, and I just think they are so potent. The mm-hmm. defense is playing better. Josh yep. Allen is playing at an MVP level. It just feels like it's time in Buffalo. And, again – could Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs beat that? Absolutely. They're the best team in football, the Chiefs. They're the defending champs. I'm just telling you at the start of the playoffs, that's my Super Bowl pick, the Buffalo Bills. I think that they are in position to win it. I think it will be time for them, and, and we'll see how this plays out. But my postseason, preseason, my pre-postseason Super Bowl pick is the Buffalo Bills, and we'll see how that plays out. All right, the next matchup on Saturday, Rams-Seahawks, Saturday, 440 Eastern. The Rams, I don't think, will have Cooper Cup back for that game. I don't think. We'll see how the week plays out. What do you make of this matchup? Yeah, so it's always kind of fun when we get a divisional matchup in the playoffs because there's so much to go off of, right? So so these teams split two games during the regular season. The, the Seahawks win in Week 16, kind of won them the, the division and got this game in Seattle. 
which has been huge for them in their in their postseason history. The Seattle Seahawks have won 10 straight home playoff games dating back to the 2005 playoffs. That's the third longest streak in NFL history. They can tie the 1996-07 Patriots second place with an 11 straight win. Russell Wilson has never lost at home in the playoffs. But as we sit here on Tuesday morning, we'll see what happens with the Rams quarterback situation. But I, I would not discount the Rams regardless of who's playing quarterback in this game because I don't think that the Rams defense has gotten the attention they deserve. Brandon Staley and a defense that led the NFL in scoring defense. They led the NFL in yards allowed. Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are two of the best players in the NFL regardless of position. So I think that this Rams, Russell Wilson's had problems with this Rams defense in his career. And I think that if if the Rams D can play like they did against uh, the Cardinals and in some other games this year where they've really kind of controlled the game, I wouldn't count out L.A. regardless of who's a quarterback in this one. Let me say something. Ties together a couple of things going on in the NFL world right now. Brandon Staley, the Rams defensive coordinator, is highly valued, highly thought of. I don't think the Rams want to lose him. And I think Brandon Staley may be the secret weapon in this postseason run, no matter who is playing quarterback for the Rams, whether it's Jared Goff or John Wolford. They really like him. And I can tell how much they like him. There are little subtle hints that I've gotten as this head coaching search has geared up and teams have put in permission slips for Brandon Staley. But Brandon Staley sounds like he's on a fast track to becoming a head coach. And by the way, the better the Rams do this postseason, the more it will help his chances to get a head coaching job. All right, Saturday, the last game, final game of the day, Buccaneers at Washington. What do we make of that one at 8.15 Eastern Saturday night? Well, I think it starts with Tom Brady. Uh, I'm not saying anything kind of out of the box there, but uh, most successful quarterback in playoff history. And and I found this, he, he has never played as well in terms of his numbers in his final five games as he did this year. He had 15 touchdown passes, his most yards ever over his final five games of the season. So he's going into the to the playoffs at 43 years old, bet, finishing in the regular season better than he have, ever has. His Bucks offense is really clicking on all cylinders. We'll see what happens with Mike Evans. Um, so this is also kind of an interesting one. So Tom Brady has accomplished pretty much everything in his career, right? Adam, six Super yep. Bowl titles, most wins, most touchdown passes, et cetera. This is the first time he will ever enter the playoffs as a wild card and not having won his division. Wow. First time ever? First time ever. ever. So he's, he, he, obviously he's played in the wild card round. He did it last year against the Titans, but that was at home as a division champion. This is the first time he will ever enter the playoffs as a wild card playing on the road the first weekend of the playoffs. And I think you're going to see it all week. The, 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 in my opinion, maybe the only way for Washington to win is to really disrupt Brady and get a ton of pressure. I'm not sure the Washington offense, as great as the story has been with Alex Smith, and you can't say enough good things about it. I don't know that they're going to be able to score enough points, but that Washington defense, the front seven, especially the front four with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, if they can get pressure on Brady, Brady's 43, right? As great as he's been, and he looks as good as ever when there's no pressure, when there's pressure, he looks like he's he's 43. So I think if they can get pressure on him when sending four, Washington might have a chance. That's always been the recipe to beat Tom Brady in the postseason. Yeah. Remember when the Giants did it? That's how they did it. It would be applicable today. And Washington has one of the best defenses in the league. If there is a defense that's capable of doing that to Tom Brady, Evan, it would be the Washington defense that can get the pressure it needs. And as you well outlined, that would be the key to beating Tom Brady and the Bucks. But again, Tom Brady and the Bucks going for a little history of their own. No team has ever played a Super Bowl in its home stadium as Tampa Bay is now vying to do. All right, let's shift to Sunday. 
the game on ESPN 105 Eastern. We'll have Sunday NFL countdown on at 10 a.m. before Ravens Titans. I've got some thoughts here, Evan, but what do you think? Yeah, this is, uh, I think we got maybe the most competitive game of the weekend. This should be a lot of fun. And you, it, it's really, so let's start with, it's really a matchup of strength on strength. So these are the number one and number two rushing teams in the NFL this season. The Ravens led the NFL as a team with, with over 190 yards per game. Derrick Henry led the NFL as a player, certainly uh, the eighth player in NFL history to rush for 2000 yards. And I went back and I looked at his last 20 games. So since week 17 last season, and with the help of Elias, he has rushed for the most yards in a 20-game span in NFL history. The, wow. within, those 20, within those 20 games includes two games against the Ravens, a divisional playoff game last year, and a matchup in Week 11 this season, both won by the Titans. And the other storyline for this one is, I think, how well the Ravens are playing. They, they've won five straight games. they really got back to their identity on offense, calling a running play 58% of the time during that win streak. And then it's... Can Lamar Jackson win his first playoff game? It's only been two, but he's 0-2, losing to the Chargers and these Titans. And I think as the week progresses and we move towards Sunday, you're going to hear more and more about there's a, there's a real rivalry between these teams. Remember yeah. what happened with John Harbaugh and Mike Vrabel uh, in their matchup this season? They Again, they played – the more times you play a team, the kind of more the the contempt seems for the, for the opponent. And I think this is there, – there's a lot of layers to this matchup. You know, you talk about the rivalry between these two teams. I was at the game in Nashville when Ray Lewis intercepted Steve McNair and yeah. propelled the Ravens to the Super Bowl win that year that they had, and it started in Nashville. That's where yeah. it started. That's how far back this rivalry goes. And I don't know if anybody on these respective franchises remembers that. I do. But right. that was a big game. And did you say, did I hear you right, no running back in NFL history has ever run for more yards in a 20-game span? Than, nope. is, is that right? That is right. So 20-game span when you include the playoffs, most ever. So let me – number two on the list, a player you're certainly familiar with from your time in Denver, Terrell Davis, hmm. from the 1997 to 1998 Broncos Super Bowl winning seasons. He is number two. And number three on the list, an, an okay running back, Earl Campbell. So that's a pretty good list that Derrick Henry's on the top of there. Those are some numbers. That's incredible for Derrick Henry. I look forward to seeing that matchup. And then after that game on ESPN Sunday, we will get the Bears at the Saints Sunday, 440 Eastern. What do we make of that one, Evan? Yeah, it's the Saints. I think, you know, it's the same story it's been for the last few postseasons. Can, can they? Can this postseason heartbreak for them finally end? And, they, you know, can they get to another Super Bowl? I mean, this team has lost on the final play in three straight postseason games. Everybody remembers the Minneapolis Miracle. We, of course, remember the missed pass interference call in the 2018 NFC Championship against the Rams. I think some people forget they also lost in the last play last season in the wild card round at home against the Vikings in overtime. So now this Saints team, and, and this is kind of an interesting one where it kind of comes full circle. As as you've said, and, and other, you know, we've kind of said throughout the year, we expect this to probably be Drew Brees' last season. And if you kind of tie in his first season against with Sean Payton and the Saints in 2006, they faced the Bears in the NFC Championship. You know, they lost that game. And now maybe in his last season, maybe a Super Bowl run starts with a game against the Bears. I think this is a tough task for Chicago, a team that was very up and down all season, finished 8-8, eight and eight, were able to still get in the playoffs. So I think that – I think I would assume that everybody around the Saints knows the urgency with this postseason run 
And, you know, I think I think it starts with a win here, and then we'll see what happens as they move throughout the postseason. Drew Brees will also join Tom Brady, only quarterbacks to start a playoff game at 41 or older. Um, so that's what I think about the Saints. It's can they get past these this recent postseason heartbreak and may, maybe make a run to Tampa? And, and you know what's amazing is that, again, every game that the Saints play from here on out, that will be the storyline that, to me, hangs mm-hmm. over that game. Yep. Is this going to be Drew Brees' final game? Absolutely. So, Again, they lose Sunday. I don't think they'll lose Sunday no. in Chicago. I don't think. But if they do, well, maybe, maybe Drew Brees is, is finished at that point in time. I, I don't I don't think they will either. But remember, we were in this spot last year, Adam, where the Saints on the final Sunday of the season had a chance for the number one seed. Things didn't break right for them. They ended up playing in the wild card round. There was nobody who expected Kirk Cousins and the Vikings to go in there and win. Nobody. So we've seen before anything can happen in the playoffs. Absolutely. All right. The last game of Wild Card Weekend, Evan. Sunday night, 8-15. Browns, Steelers. I think that's all I have to say, right? Browns, uh, that, that, Steelers. That's it. There, there's so many layers to this one. It, it, again, it, it's a fun divisional matchup that we've seen already twice this season, so there's a lot to go back on there. We, we just saw it this past weekend. You know, the Steelers didn't play uh, a lot of their top guys. but And so the Browns, we've got – um, ending the playoff drought. As you and I talked about, they haven't won a playoff game since the 1994 wildcard round. A couple other things working against the Browns, you could say. They have lost 17 straight games in Pittsburgh. That is the third longest road losing streak against one team in NFL history when you include the playoffs. Ben Roethlisberger, 23-2-1 in his career against the Browns, including a perfect 13-0 at Heinz Field against the Browns. So you've got all that history going against Cleveland, but I think this Browns, that doesn't really necessarily mean much when we get on the field and play the game. The big thing, kind of once things get kicked off at 8-15 on Sunday night, can Baker Mayfield and the Browns offensive line, which has been one of the best units in the league this year, can they deal with that potent Steelers pass rush and maybe the defensive player of the year at T.J. Watt? That's going to be the biggest key to the game. And, you know, this is this is a fun matchup because – and this is the last time the Browns played in the playoffs, right? The, the last time they made it in the 2002 wildcard round. They had a big lead at Heinz Field against the Steelers, ended up losing, and then it's been kind of the rest is history, as they say. But now they're back in the playoffs. And, you know, I'd be interested, you know, I wonder if the Browns like that they're playing the Steelers or they wish they were playing somebody else in this first playoff game back. I mentioned to you that I think Buffalo is my pre-postseason Super Bowl prediction. I'm going to tell you this also. I think the Cleveland Browns are dangerous in this game. Mm, I think I like that, that I think I think that they have a real chance to upset the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think again, I may look foolish saying this in the end. My job as a reporter, not a prognosticator. Mm-hmm. Every time I try to prognosticate, I find that's the simplest way to look foolish. And yeah. maybe that'll be, I, I think Cleveland is going to give Pittsburgh all it can handle because Cleveland's defense is playing at a great level right now, whereas Pittsburgh has lost some key defenders. Mm-hmm. Cleveland's offensive line has been playing better. Cleveland yep. runs the ball better, yep. right? Pittsburgh's yeah. performance got worse as the season went on. Cleveland seemed to get better. If the Browns can get through these COVID issues and they're healthy going into Sunday night, Mike Tomlin's dangerous. Ben Roethlisberger is dangerous against the Browns. I mean, they have history. They have tradition. They have all of that. And Cleveland has none of that, frankly. None of that. Yeah. But this would be a time for the Browns to make some postseason history of their own, which they haven't done. And I will not be surprised if it happens. 
And you talk about Miles Garrett and that Browns defense. Consider that six. So we'll take out the Week 17 game since Ben and, and a lot of key players didn't play offensive linemen as well. From Weeks 12 to Week 16, that's a five-game span. The Steelers' offense really played one good half. Now, granted, it was that second half against the Colts when they had the huge comeback and won them the division. But in the previous four games, they barely beat the Ravens in that Wednesday game. Then they lost three straight. The offense looked terrible. So the 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 real the starting offense has really played one good half out of their last ten halves of football. So I think there's something to be said for Cleveland having a chance in this one. Well, there you go. Hey, Evan, I appreciate all your time, all your insights. Should be a great playoff weekend. We'll have you back again next weekend to preview the divisional playoff round, which always is one of the best weekends of the NFL calendar year. Love that weekend, but this weekend should be great. And sorry, I won't get to see you in studio, but <laughs> we'll we'll be watching the games together. Sounds good, Adam. Should be a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks so much, Evan. And as I just mentioned there to my friend and my colleague, Evan Kaplan, I will not get the chance to see him this weekend. And I will say this, that two of my favorite weekends all year, every year, always were wild card weekend and divisional playoff weekend. And what I loved as much as anything was going to ESPN, doing the pregame show, Sunday NFL countdown on Saturday and Sunday, and then going with all the guys on the set to either the hotel restaurant that was right by ESPN or a nearby restaurant. And we'd sit around a group of us, 15 people, and we'd order food during the first game and order food during the second game, and watch all the games, and eat all the food, and drink all the drinks. And it was everybody on that show all year long. And it was like a party Saturday, and it was a party Sunday. And the party's off this year. And I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss being with Evan. Uh, used to be Chris Berman, Keyshawn Johnson, Chris Carter, Mike Ditka, Chris Mortensen, Seth Markman, Matt Gar everybody just sitting around together, all of us, our crew from that season, taking in the games of the wild card round and the divisional round and so much eating and drinking. And this year, it's going to be doing the Sunday NFL countdown show from my house on Saturday, the Sunday NFL countdown show from my house Sunday, and me going into a room by myself, family not interested in watching the games and watching the playoff games all day, eating and drinking alone will not be the same. Then again, this year has not been the same. And we just adjust to the times and continue to go on. All right. I want to thank the Jets running back, Frank Gore, who's open to coming back for a 17th NFL season. We'll see how that works out. We'd love to see him back playing. He can play in this league as long as he wants to, in my book, always open to doing that. I want to thank Evan Kaplan for all of his insights and information on this weekend's wildcard matchups. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell for putting up with me and putting this podcast together. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we review the wild card round, preview the divisional playoff round, and bring you another guest or guests providing hopefully excellent information and insight. Until then, everybody, have a great week and be safe.